Man, the final hour is already here. This show has flown on by. Happy to have you in here until 1 o'clock. Uh, looking forward to catching up with wide receiver Chester Rogers here in just a minute. That's going to be coming up next on the show. Big performance for Chester in the preseason game. You're going to solidify a roster spot anywhere at that crowded wide receiver room. Going to need to make an impact on special teams. He certainly did that on Friday against the Falcons. We welcome your participation as always. 615-737-1045. We're going to talk about wide receivers in general because I want to I want to hone in on a little bit on the Des Fitzpatrick stuff because that I think is it, this this is a player already in his rookie season that's at a critical juncture in his career and that's not to say that it's done or that you know fourth I, I had people yelling at me in my Twitter mentions fourth round pick is a bust yada 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 we'll do that in a moment because I think there are there are reasonable amounts of reaction that you can have while not going full tilt right before we do that, though, I want to touch on what one of our callers brought up earlier about the Tennessee Volunteers and the NCAA violations that may be pending. Basically, the question was, given how many L's the NCAA has taken in the legal system, do, do we think that there is a, a, a potential for a lesser punishment, one that Danny White and the administrators at Tennessee probably already have an idea of what's coming. It's just a matter of when it actually comes down and is made public. And I'm sure there are not negotiations, but conversations between the university of Tennessee and the NCAA to this effect, basically, okay, here's what's going to happen. We're going to need you to comply with X, Y, and Z. If you do all of these things, we won't come down on you harder than we would. But then there's the fact that the NCAA toothless, though it may have been, pre this summer basically has been made to look even more of a sham organization than it was over the last what would you say three months the NCAA what what am I looking to the NCAA for at this point not for how to manage a college football season or college athletics through a global pandemic no they left that to the the member institutions and the conferences not for the college football playoff not for the college football playoff. That ain't their bag either. Not for things like NIL. They've been silent since July the 1st about name, image, and likeness. They've worked directly against that type of legislation for years. They worked against it. Then they got 9-0 and crushed on their heads by the Supreme Court when they said, yeah, this isn't American. What you do, well, your entire existence is un-American, was basically the summary of that ruling. So now what is the NCAA to us and to the players and to the to the member institutions? Other than something that just exists to get Mark Emmerich a payday and to put together one shining moment at the end of March Madness. Like, what else you got for me? Nothing. So to the caller's point about does this lessen potential severity of a punishment for the University of Tennessee, I mean... I, I'm not a legal expert, so I don't think I could give you specific ways that it could. But I have to imagine that the NCAA, lacking in self-awareness, though it has been throughout the entirety of its existence, okay? Mark Emmer got a pay raise in 2020, which is astounding to me. As everything else in sports is hemorrhaging in money, the dude running the most inept organization in sports got a raise. Somebody... Make that make sense. But then 
with the University of Tennessee specifically, you got the NCAA on its heels. Now, how much that impacts something like recruiting violation, penalties that they will bring down, the muddy, the, the waters become much murkier because now you're talking about a, situ, a situation with, with NIL. And, yeah, you've got some blurred lines right now as they test out this basically. It's basically a trial period that they're running until next January with name, image, and likeness before, so they can kind of observe how this thing is going to go because the NCAA, again, said, yeah, hands off. Until next January, Godspeed. That's their approach to this thing. So in the meantime, you're having people finding out where the boundaries are and how they can push the boundaries. And yeah, we're not going to use this for recruiting, but you've got Nick Saban up there at the podium at SEC Media Days. Say, hey, this, this quarterback for us hadn't even played a snap yet. Look, almost a million dollars in endorsements. Like Nick Saban didn't know what the hell he was doing up there at the podium. you got BYU getting uh, walk-on players or scholarships play, uh, paid by a company coming in with name, image, and likeness legislation and paying for college scholarships that way, which is inherently going to affect somebody's decision to go to BYU or not at some point, of course. But you're looking at precedent. Last year, when the Vols allegedly broke the rules, whether they found reasons to get Jeremy Pruitt fired for cause or not is a different discussion. Feels a bit nefarious, but either way, you got what you wanted. So whether you're going to cast down sanctions off of last year's precedent when the whole world of college athletics has changed in the course of six months, what is the justification going to be? You can cite precedent, but precedent was under the old rules. The sport of college football, because it's the biggest revenue generator of all these, college basketball, not really a close second, and then things really fall off after those two. How you cast, how you hand down basically indictments and sanctions as the NCAA, when everybody's already looking at you like, why do we even need you here? And also, this is something that happened last year before you allowed the sport to completely change under your watch and were powerless, legitimately powerless to do anything about it. I don't think the NCAA is going anywhere. Like, I think it's going to take, like, Congress to disband this, like the cartel, basically, to where Mark Emmert is not making millions of dollars for doing nothing, for having no hands-on approach to COVID, for having nothing to do with name, image, and likeness other than this exploratory period where you're just letting things run wild for six months and be like, yeah, we like this, we didn't like that. Too late. So how this affects the Vols and their NCAA sanctions, I, th I think it's a curious question. Legal specifics, I'm not going to be able to answer for you. But I do think if you're going to if you're gonna try and get off a little lighter than you might otherwise have, it comes at a time when the NCAA is already reeling and everybody is looking at the NCAA well, with, why should we listen to what you have to say? You were literally declared un-American by the Supreme Court in the way that you've conducted your business for a hundred years prior to this. But then could you not see the situation where they try and come back stronger than ever? What, the NCAA? Yeah. To do what? To try to make their mark. How? With whatever sanctions oh, might with, come with down. Oh, with Tennessee? Right. Like, like, a, like, a, like make an example of them? I'm just saying the only consistent thing from the NCAA has been inconsistency. Whether it was approving transfers, sanctions, anything. Holding schools to different standards than other schools. The only consistent thing has been inconsistency. So we have no idea. 
yeah, they can slink back into the shadows and realize that everybody knows the jig is up, right? That they don't actually do anything. Largely a pointless organization in the grand scheme of things. Or I could see them coming down and trying to compensate for all that and bringing down the hammer on Tennessee. Okay, so what if they do that and, again, like Tennessee does something like take them to court? Right. Haven't they had enough losses publicly? I don't know. It's the NCAA. I don't I, There's no rhyme or reason. Oh, no. They, 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 complete to be, they, they appear to be completely out of touch in a way that's delightful because, God bless them, this makes for great sports talk radio content. How disastrous of an organization, the governing body of college athletics, not football, not basketball, all of it, how badly they've done their jobs to open them out, open themselves up to this kind of scrutiny and this kind of legal action. Yeah, they can try and bring the hammer down on Tennessee, and Tennessee can turn around and be like, wait, what the hell? No. <laughs> no. Here's X, Y, and Z reasons why you can't tell us what to do anymore because you can't tell anybody else what to do anymore. And maybe you can right now with NIL and COVID, but you've been too chicken bleep to do it. What I imagine would help Tennessee more than anything is that they did clean house in that instance, fired everybody with cause, different athletic director, totally different, just the administration. Everybody overseeing everything that went wrong there, with the exception of Dondi Plowman, is gone and replaced. Buddy, we're, we're just talking about the NCAA. I can feel the pressure in my forehead just thinking about them and how stupid they are. <laughs> like this, I'm... I, it feels like a sinus headache that is forming on my temple right now because I'm trying to figure out why the hell I care about the NCAA when they see they clearly don't give a damn about anything but stop lining their pockets at this point. It's a health and safety and concern of the student athlete. Man, kick rocks. They've been deliberating for eight months on this thing with Tennessee. They're indecisive. Their decisions when they come to them make no sense. And turns out they don't have legal bearing because the Supreme Court just told them they're dumb. Get out of here. I'm just saying the NCAA felt they didn't have grounds to levy heavy sanctions against Baylor. In a situation where Mike Felder said last week, people should be in jail. Could you not see that playing out the way it did and then coming down with a two-year bull ban on Tennessee? If that happens, and I, I don't just say this because we're local and because Vols fans are, are a big part of this audience, that there should be like serious legal action considered against the NCAA because the situation I'd completely forgotten about the Baylor conversation that we had a week ago because there were like it did like, it didn't fit the certain criteria of like specific for, NCAA for, bylaw for impermissible benefits man I almost just cussed <laughs> I, I think I there is nothing that pisses me off in sports like the damn NCAA it really does not. So if they if they try to bring down the hammer on Tennessee to for, as a makeup call because of how stupid they looked against Baylor and their lack of action against Baylor, when Michael Felder of Stadium, as Lucas said, came on this radio show last week and said, people should have gone to jail. And the NCAA said, eh, what are you going to do? Well, we got nothing. What are you going to do? It was a, how many years was that investigation? It's Tony Soprano when his mom dies. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I was in high school when that scandal happened. That's so stupid. How does this thing continue to exist in perpetuity despite L after L after L that they take? Oh, let's get away from this. Let's have a conversation with Titans wide receiver Chester Rogers. He's coming up next. Stick around. We're also going to get into this Des Fitzpatrick stuff because I know a lot of Titans fans are concerned. That and more coming up next. This is 104.5 The Zone. 
is elect to punt it. Chester Rogers deep. Going to catch it at the 30. Beats one man. 35-40. 45-50. 45 40 To the outside. 35. 30. 25. 20. 15. And he has run out of bounds. Tackled yes! by the official. <laughs> yes. Excellent return. Chester Rogers. Live from Titans training camp out here with wide receiver Chester Rogers, fresher off the practice field. Yes, My man, how are we living today? Man, we're feeling good. You know, we just got a W in the preseason. Uh, you know, they say you can't take any, any game for granted, so it feels good. For sure. So how many, how many text messages, how many messages, how many DMs from people after the punt return on Saturday? <laughs> Yeah, my phone was blowing up, man. Yeah. Uh, it's been a year and a half since I've been on the field, you know, uh, so everyone was excited, you know, to see me back out there. For sure. Well, I guess, you know, we talked to you a little bit after the game, so obviously you were fresh off the field, kind of, you know, understood the full experience, but right. going back and looking at the film, what what'd you kind of see that you liked from your body of work as a whole, not just as a return man, but on the field as a wide receiver as well? Um, man, I just looked confident out there. You know, I was confident uh, in the work that I put in the offseason. I wasn't second-guessing myself. Uh, I made the catch. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was pretty, uh, you know, it's a lot of things I need to work on, but, you know, I, I felt good. You know, it was the first step. For sure. So what, what, what did you take away that you need to improve on? I know that you're, that you're trying to improve your game as a whole every time you step out on the field, but were there something from Saturday that you kind of looked like, looked at and said, okay, this is what I need to be working on this week? Um, it was, you know, it was a couple of plays I wanted back. Um, I got a block on the end on the big defense alignment. I wanted to use my hands more. Uh, we got the edge. I said it. It was maybe another play where uh, I needed to, you know, do a man. Read, uh, zone read. So there's a couple of plays I want to I want to get back and definitely the permit turn. If I if if I had it again, I probably would have stayed left. Uh, but you know, we get it. We get yeah. it in the regular season. No doubt. I mean the 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 element of blocking for a wide receiver is something we talk about with this team all the time. Given who you guys got in the backfield and what what this offense is set up like, is that something that you came into the league out of Grambling State knowing that you were going to have to do something that you were going to emphasize, or is that something that you've kind of adapted with each team that you've been? No, honestly, uh, coming out of college, in my college, my coaches used to tell me, you know, you're going to have to block if you want to make it in the NFL, and uh, you know, just it's, it's very true. And then especially coming to the Titans, this is what we live by, you know, effort and finish and, and blocking, finishing, you know, longer than the guy with the ball. No doubt. So you spent some a uh, couple of years, four years with the Colts before coming to Tennessee. You got a couple over on them over here. What would you kind of what you kind of take away from that rivalry? What what's kind of the what's kind of the vibe that surrounds that game in this division? Man, it's probably you know, if I could compare it to you know. A, a rivalry game, I would say, like the Steelers and the Ravens, man. This is a very physical game whenever the Colts and the Titans play. I love it because we're both going to run, you know, we're both going to run the ball and, you know, we're going to fight to the end. Now, you guys, had, you guys had a couple of quarterbacks there, but Luck was there for, for the right. bulk of that. Absolutely. Did, uh, did anybody here talk to you about the fact that he was 11 and 0 against this team when he retired? Didn't nah, lose a game. Think, uh, I don't think they come up talk. once. <laughs> they not want to talk about it, you know, and I understand. You didn't bring it up? <laughs> no, nah, I didn't want to bring it up. I'm a Titan now, so, you know. No question. With with this room, you got a lot of you got a lot of vets. You got a lot of young guys. It's a pretty good mix up and down the board. I was I was watching Fitzpatrick today, and he's somebody who's been working through his first camp, coming as a rookie, trying to overcome a lot of different things, being asked to do a lot of different things. You as a vet, seeing how your career has gone and and how you found success throughout the course of it, and going into your what is the sixth training camp yes. for you? Yes. What what what's kind of the message to a dude like that who's trying to find his footing in his first year? It's funny that you ask because uh, me and Dez probably talked for like 15 minutes pre-practice, you know, and I just, you know, I understand I've been in his shoes before and I just wanted to let him know that I believe in him and I want him to believe in himself as much as, you know, 
me and the coaches and the rest of his teammates do. And it's all about self-confidence, man, and removing all self-doubt. And just going out there and doing what got you here, you know. Uh, and that's that's probably my biggest message to this. The, the mental aspect of it is something that I think we, we underestimate just as people who watch you Absolutely. guys out on the field. I, how do you kind of how do you learn how to compartmentalize in those moments because it's crazy the kind of things the highs and lows that you have to balance throughout the course of a week of work and throughout the course of a training camp all this stuff absolutely I would be lying if I said it was a, a easy thing to do you know but I just have to always remind myself never get too high never get too low because like I said self confidence and everything the moment you start doubting yourself that's the moment you know you start making plays so uh, yeah man it's, it's very mental. Undrafted at a Grambling State. That's that's a an incredible accomplishment to be and able. And I walked to... on to Grambling State at that. Yeah. So okay. So talk about that. I mean, that's a it's a terrible way to ask a question, but like, what is what is that experience like? Because it's it's not like it hasn't been done before, mm-hmm. but there's not that many dudes that last as long as you have in the league, Chester. Right. And I um I kind of I kind of you know. I take it personal, um, and I, and I kind of let it, you know, motivate me, you know. But I honestly think, you know, that journey has prepared me for everything that I've seen, you know, coming through the league. But again, being a walk-on, being undrafted, you know, I've always had to fight the odds. So um, I, I definitely appreciate my journey. What was the moment that kind of that kind of most embodies that adversity that you've had to go through? Was there any point, whether it was in college, coming to the pros, trying to find your way after Indianapolis? I know you had a, a quick stint with the Dolphins before you ended up here. Was there one moment that kind of crystallizes that adversity that you've had to overcome for you? Honestly, I would say the last, just this training camp, um, you know, just coming off of that injury and then going to the yeah. Dolphins right after surgery, knowing I wasn't 100% healthy, getting cut by them, you know, just everything that I went through prior to that, it prepared me for the, this moment. So uh, being able to go out there in my, my first game back last, uh, what was this, Friday, Saturday? Yeah. That was the moment where I was like, okay. Yeah, I was built for this. You know, I've been going through it. I've built for it, and the work is paying off. Marcus Johnson, we talked to him. He's he's kind of had a similar situation, maybe not the same path, but mm-hmm. similar situation as a pro. And he talked about you know we, through so many different years in his career, he's been dealing with like soft to soft tissue injuries and stuff like that. Comes out here, feels right, and he just balls because he knows that he can do this. What is that? St- a similar approach that you've taken i know you've you've spoken on the the belief in self as well but is that kind of something that you can identify with in your own room absolutely and i think that's why me and marcus are such good friends you know we were uh, i think this is our fourth year together yeah um so we can you know we can we can relate to each other and um i think marcus is the perfect example of you know fighting through adversity and and what basically what he was saying, you know, you just got to figure out your routine. You got to figure out your body. You got to figure your way throughout this league and figure out what works for you. And I think he's done that. One one thing that Titans fans have to know about Chester Rogers, because it's this time of year where we get to tell so many different stories. The guys who come through this come through this team. One te- one thing that you have to let the fan base know about yourself. Man, Titan fans, just know you're going to always have somebody that's going to fight for you, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a playmaker, and you can expect the best from me every Sunday. So that's what y'all need to know. Chester Rogers, Titans wide receiver, kind enough to give us some of his time out here at training camp. My <laughs> man, I appreciate you. Thank you, thank you. It was great, wasn't he? Chester Rogers with some really good insight on what it's like to, to battle through adversity. It, a walk-on at Grambling State, and then undrafted into the league going on six years in the NFL. Not everybody does that. There are very few people, in fact, who have that kind of background. And it's good. You know, I saw him having that conversation with Des Fitzpatrick before practice. Why I asked him about it. Because that was, you know, immediately Des Fitzpatrick goes out on the field and starts to struggle. 
starts to struggle on the practice field. Now, he rebounded fine, but that there are few people who can convey what it's like to go through those kinds of strife trying to be a professional football player. Des, I can't I won't say that Des Fitzpatrick has had it easy, but compared to to Chester Rogers, he certainly has. Now he's at at this critical juncture in his career, right? Where yeah, the head coach isn't, isn't impressed with you. Head coach Mike Vrabel in his comments on Saturday, Lucas, I don't know if we have those brief though they were. Mike Vrabel was asked about what Des Fitzpatrick needs to do to get more snaps in a preseason game. This was his short but sweet response. What does Des maybe need to show you in practice to warrant maybe more snaps, earlier snaps in the game? A lot. He needs to show us a lot more in practice. Not exactly effusive praise from Mike Vrabel on Saturday coming off the heels of that preseason game that he basically got in as the last wide receiver out of all the dudes that are competing for roster spots and didn't do much with his opportunities. Now, at that point in the game, because it was so late, they were running a lot, trying to kill the clock. They're up 20 to to 3 or whatever on Atlanta, and they're just trying to get out of there without any more injuries. Right, we've talked about the injuries to Darrington Evans, Trayvon Coley, uh, Tucker McCann, uh, guys who, you know, for Trayvon Coley, I saw, I saw Tom, Tom Pelissero report that it could potentially be season-ending. We still don't know Tucker McCann. And Mike Vrabel gave us a timeline. Bless him. He said day-to-day on Darrington Evans. I don't even think he meant to. The idea that we'd even get any kind of injury designation is a victory for the media vultures. But with Fitzpatrick, man... What I what I have seen from him out out on the practice field. Now here here's how I'll clarify this, right? Because there are there are certain restrictions on what we're allowed to report at practice. What we're allowed to report on at practice is limited to a handful of things, right? We can we can say, hey, Chester Rogers made a great catch, uh, made a great catch on a pass from Matt Barkley over Breon Borders in practice today. That's about the extent of the detail that we can get into. I can't tell you what the interactions between somebody like Des Fitzpatrick are with his teammates or with his coaches, because technically that is embargoed, embargoed by the uh, by the uh, by the league and and the PR staffs that put these rules together. But I will say to you that the coaching staff wants more urgency out of Des Fitzpatrick. It can't be just kind of like slough it off and move on to the next thing. No, you have to start taking this seriously. Yes, he was a fourth-round draft pick. That doesn't mean that the expectations for him are A.J. Brown or, you know, Jarvis Landry or any of these super talented wide receivers. I don't know why I went Jarvis there at all the wide receivers. That was weird. (laughs) (laughs) Like A.J. Brown or like Randall Cobb or what? What? Jarvis Landry. What? I don't know what I did there. Who's the most random receiver in the league? I mean, I tried to go with like a good wide receiver. He's a good wide receiver. He's a fine wide receiver. <laughs> there's a million There's a million wide receivers that are better than Jarvis Landry. I don't know why I went to Jarvis Landry there. Very odd in the middle of my series. million analysis. receivers out there that dream to be like Jarvis Landry. Sure. And Des Fitzpatrick right now is one of them, so get off my back. He would love that. Love that right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
So AJ stupid. Brown, Brandon Ayuk. Get out of here. So stupid. Hey, Brandon Ayuk's going to be a good player. DJ Chark. Keep his name. Keep his. Keep those names out your mouth. All right. Hey, Des Fitzpatrick wishes right now. Okay, that he was any of those guys. Because right now he's a dude who can't get in over the D three wide receiver from Barry College, Mason Damn Kinsey. I don't think he's going to get cut. But we're in week one of the preseason, and everybody's looking at this guy like, hey, buddy, what the hell? But if he's not a fourth-round pick, we're talking about him being the first receiver gone, are we not? Yeah, but you can't do the analysis that way because he is a fourth-round pick. Like, you can't take it in a vacuum like that. This player, his circumstances are what they are. He's on the roster because he's a fourth-round pick. And also, he's underperformed by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's not easy to do what he's being asked to do, but... If the day-to-day improvement was there, if they felt like he was being, you know, he was being smart or opportunistic with the things that have been provided to him. Remember, the Josh Reynolds and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, they haven't practiced a whole lot. There's been plenty of opportunities that Marcus Johnson and Chester Rogers have taken advantage of. You heard that in Chester's voice. He takes it personally. Walk on out of Grambling State. Undrafted in the league. Four years with the Colts. Gets hurt in Miami. His career could have gone much differently there because they could have used wide receiver help in Miami in 2020 for sure. He ends up on the Titans practice squad. He has to basically wait that whole year out on the COVID list. Not on the COVID list, but as a part of the 16-man practice squad that's kept apart. From the rest of the team. They don't practice at the same time as the rest of those dudes did last year. So you're basically isolated for a season. Then you come out here and you have the opportunity. You take advantage of the opportunity. All those opportunities were present for Des Fitzpatrick. In fact, more of them were present for Des Fitzpatrick because he was here working all offseason. So the fact that, you know, I got people telling me, hey, it's early on Des Fitzpatrick. I, I, Mike Keith, who is an employee of the team, voice of the Titans, Came on this radio show, he wasn't laughing about it. He wasn't sloughing it off as too early. He said, yeah, and you heard what the head coach had to say about him. Hell yeah, I did. Everybody did. Des Fitzpatrick better have heard what he had to say about it. And you know how he responded? By dropping three straight balls while the GM is watching the wide receivers run routes on air. Now, again, I didn't see this portion, but I did. Uh, I didn't see this portion of practice but I did note in going through Jim Wyatt's, because I read everybody's observations to make sure I didn't miss anything, in reading Jim Wyatt's observations, he said that uh, that Fitzpatrick caught at least three balls the rest of the day, which is fine. But you start the, the practice where your head coach, not 24 hours ago, has set out a challenge for you. Hey, we need to see a lot more from this guy. For him to warrant, <laughs> him to warrant snaps over Fred Brown who has sucked in practice and looked fine in the game. He was good. Marcus Johnson went out there making plays in the preseason game because Ryan Tannehill has been who he's developed the connection with. So I was kind of grading on a curve when he's out there with Logan Woodside, who hasn't really worked a ton with. But for Des Fitzpatrick, there's no excuse because he's been running with the twos and the threes. He hasn't been good enough to do anything else. And what they're seeing out of him, what they fear out of him, and what they're trying to coach out of him is this lack of urgency about Hey, man, it's early, but it's not that early. 
How quickly did things turn? Just look at, and this is a different situation. This is not performance. This is injury. But look at Darrington Evans. Darrington Evans, who missed basically all of last year, comes in, gets all these reps in camp. Derrick Henry's not doing anything but the sand pit. All right, this, this is your opportunity. Take advantage of it. First preseason game, bad luck, whatever you want to call it, out with a knee. Now we're talking about, hey, how, what are you going to do? Like, if this is more than day-to-day. Mike Rabel told us it's day-to-day, but I don't know. You know, I don't know what. Mike, honestly, he missed an opportunity to go for the 5-12 to 12 week timeline joke. I, I, almost, I almost said that as he was walking off the Right boat. there on a platter. It was right there for him. With him and Tucker McCann, I'm like, man, just, I'm just saying. <laughs> that's what I do in press conferences. I sit, and me, I sit in there, ponder what he's just said, and been like, man, that would have been a really good opportunity for a joke if he had taken advantage of it. Maybe next time. But we're already talking about Darrington Evans. It's like, eh, if he's not out there, move on. Now, not move on in the sense of cut him. I'm not saying cut Des Fitzpatrick. But are you going to make the case for Chester Rogers getting cut over Des Fitzpatrick? Not I. I'm not going to do that with Marcus Johnson. I'm not doing that with Mason Kinsey. And you know what? They're not either. Because all those dudes are getting snaps over the rookie fourth-round pick who just at this point, either can't figure out how to get his feet under him or doesn't understand the kind of situation that he's in. It's already, it's not critical mass. There's more time before they have to make these kind of decisions. But it's not that far away. And Des Fitzpatrick is going to continue. Now that it's out there, he's going to continue to be monitored in this way. Not just by us, but by everybody. By people in the chat like Vibrunners that says, is Des another Dodd slash Wilson? Or Tomahawk Chop, who says the Titans missed big on Raidens and Fitzpatrick. Got to get this draft thing figured out. I I don't know. There is precious little evidence from Dylan. In fact, I thought he looked fine at right tackle. He got beat at guard uh, on on one of the first couple of series out there, but he looked fine at right tackle. And again, he's playing against the competition that he's playing against. Nobody is disputing that. But I'm not – Raidens is not in the same breath as Fitzpatrick at this point. This is not the same kind of criticism that is coming from the head coach. It's, it's, hey, listen to me what I'm saying. Because what I'm saying to you is it's not good enough yet. And now I'm letting everybody else know that it hadn't been good enough yet. And it's because we're presenting you with these opportunities, you're not necessarily taking advantage of them in the way that you should be. It's crowded this year in the wide receiver room. If he's playing like this, you know, maybe somebody picks him up, maybe not. I don't necessarily, we're not at the point where we're talking about cutting Des Fitzpatrick. But I will say, I don't think they're above it. 615 737 1045 is how you react to anything. We'll continue this conversation. Lucas, have you gotten the email that I need you to get? I have not. Okay. Well, then we'll save that bit. It's unfortunate because as a Titans fan who uh, apparently I'm going to have to box at open practices later today. And it's unfortunate that we couldn't get the audio because the audio is laugh out loud funny. Regardless, we'll come back. Coming up next, I'm Buck. That went quick. A lot going on on this Monday. If you missed any of it, by the way, whether that be the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith, Titans wide receiver Chester Rogers, that is all available to you via the podcast. The Buck Rising Show, wherever it is you find your podcast, subscribe, rate, review, leave us five stars. Be very happy with you if you did that. 
There is uh, a lot more coming tomorrow, too. We're going to go out to the uh, open practice today, provided that the weather holds up. Lucas, you check the weather channel in a minute. Uh, I had it pulled up earlier. It didn't look too bad. All right, I'm going to do that now because I, when Rhett Bryan, who the only thing that Rhett Bryan of Titans Radio excels at more than his executive <laughs> producer role on Titans Radio is he is the meteorologist, basically. Yes, he is the zone's resident meteorologist. Yeah, he does a great job. I was I was complaining about a, 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 a forecast that I saw for Tampa yesterday, and Rhett's like, no, no, the latest models tell me. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm going off the Apple weather app, oh, no, which is almost stinks. always no, 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 no. Uh, very unreliable. No, so. that can't be trusted. I, your your opinion is immediately invalidated when you <laughs> cite that. All right, so I have the Weather Channel app on my phone. Between 5 and 7 p.m. right now, which is when the practice is scheduled to be held for fans to attend for free, there is still the opportunity for you to go, by the way. You can go to the Titans website, and you can get your free pass there. They're offering vaccines and stuff like that. One shot Johnson & Johnson, if you haven't gotten vaxxed yet, you want to. All you got to do is bring an insurance card. That's big. That's that is that is major. I hope that people take advantage of that because that's a great opportunity not only to go and watch uh watch your football team for the first time because you haven't seen this team, right? You guys you guys haven't had the the opportunity to watch them in the way that I've basically seen them now for 4 months. So, if you uh if you're going today, 3HL going to be broadcasting between gates 8 and 9 in the south end zone. And I will be out there with them at 4.45 for my regular 3HL hit. And then I'll be at the stadium practice. So I hope to see many of you out there as well. But right now, 15% chance of rain between 5 and 7 p.m. It's actually going to be pretty nice, it seems like. Like, I'm looking at the radar now, too. Because now with all these, uh, what's, what's the latest tropical storm? Fred? Yep. Who names these things? Whatever. Fred has not yet sent... Enough, uh, enough our way to cause problems. I'm, I'm deeply concerned about my, <laughs> deeply concerned about my trip to Tampa tomorrow and what may, what may uh, linger over us while the Titans are down there with joint practices with the Bucks. All of our coverage of Tampa Bay, by the way, brought to you by Scoreboard Bar and Grill. As was that interview with Titans wide receiver Chester Rogers. Good stuff. Polls. Not now, Jenny. I'm on the radio. Buck Rising gave me a job, said something about a poll update. Hope that wasn't at that club where you became a folk singer. Anyway, Buck Rising's producer and correspondent has the final poll update. I'm not a smart man, but I know who Lucas Panzeca is. Who won the football weekend? Tony Jankowski says the Titans certainly did. For the young guys, that was a great showing. Eldon English says... Rashad Weaver, one and a half sacks, two TFLs. It was a good one. It's a good one for the defense. Felt okay about parts of the offense. Ross Reynolds, I'm sorry I didn't know who you were. I hope I didn't embarrass you in front of your mother. It's a tough scene out there. Lucas Dickerson says not that one Rams fan, which we have discussed. Archie says Nashville SC. They did win the football weekend. They did. Big. Listen, I, for any of you who would tell me that soccer is not exciting, Five goals in the first half between those two teams last night. Nashville SC edging out the win. That was fun. Yes, they continued their red-hot run of form in Nissan Stadium. Wednesday, great game against Orlando City. And number three and four teams in the Eastern Conference going at it. Should be fun. Is that a home game? Yes, in Nissan Stadium Wednesday night. All right, 22,000 in the rain last night. Yeah, how about that? That's big. Who lost the football weekend? 
At football, another F word says the teams that didn't win. I hate him. Um, Austin Stanley says Tim Tebow blocking with his eyes closed. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. Tim Tebow, get the hell out of here. Actually, NFL. the majority of these just say Tim Tebow. Yeah, because he's. What are we doing? We talked about this two months ago. Why is he out there? Get Tim Tebow the hell off the field. He's blocking with his eyes closed. He's bouncing off of normal NFL players like he's a rubber ball. He just. It's so weird to look at him out there in that 85 and then just kind of trip trip and fall over himself. Now, on the first one that he went viral for, the embarrassing block, he did technically make the block because he got physically in the way of the other player from making the play. One submission for Colts quarterbacks. Do you think Jimmy G lost the football weekend? I mean, Trey Lance had, okay, flashy 80-yard touchdown, big deal, right? But, like, Trey Lance, outside of that, if you really watch that game, um, and I did watch a good amount. I watched certainly those two when they had some snaps in there. Like I wasn't blown away by Trey Lance the way it seems that everybody else was. I mean, yes, making a throw longer than 80 yards because Jimmy Caroppolo has never completed an 80-yard pass in his life, you know, even with run yards after catch. Like that's that's a pretty damning stat. He did look he did look pretty smooth. He's obviously physically gifted. I I mean, you know, if anything, the Colts won because now Jimmy G may be available for trade or something like right. that. Right. Like, doesn't the buzz out of there feel like it's when, not if, for Trey Lance to take oh, over? Oh, yeah, but it was, I mean, when they when they paint, came out publicly pre-draft and said, yeah, we need to upgrade the quarterback position, I'm like, all right, he's done. See ya. <laughs> not exactly a vote of confidence. Like, what? <laughs> no, this has, been, this has been the case for six months. Which Titans player impressed you the most in Friday's preseason game? Easton says everyone's going to say Weaver and Kinsey, which are good answers, but I'll say Sam Ficken and Tucker McCann. Lights out performance from the both of them. Yeah, and Tucker McCann now super sore after getting rolled up on on a uh, on a dumb play that they ended up. Matt Barkley ended up throwing a touchdown. Uh, was it Matt Barkley threw a touchdown? To yes, to Forstall. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, and Dare to Be Dope does say, I know it was against third stringers, but Matt Barkley looked pretty good for a guy with barely a week with the team. Also, Fulton looked sharp, showed great improvements over last year. Matt Barkley's been in the league since 2013. He's playing against threes and fours. Chill. Uh, most said Rashad Weaver, which is fair, and Mason Kinsey, who got to ball out in front of uh, a lot of friends and family, from what I understand. Yes, he's very adept at the social media. <laughs> Mason Kinsey is. But yeah, that seemed like a very feel-good moment for him to have be able to perform in front of his family that's uh that's a pretty special thing for those guys who are fringe roster dudes and, and may not have the opportunity in the regular season how confident are you that the vols can land walter nolan very confident cautiously optimistic or he's gaslighting us 50 percent, the majority say he's gaslighting yeah, us 41 percent right. say cautiously optimistic nine percent are very confident yeah so the the biggest takeaway from that though is that the vols defensive line coach is somebody who is going to continue to be a massive asset for them um, in the way that he attracts recu- uh, recruits. Rodney Garner is a legitimate, uh, a legitimate. I don't want to say weapon, but he helps you in this game as you try to pursue a player who's the top overall recruit who moved to Knoxville to play high school football, and Rodney Garner is the person who's attracting this kind of talent. This It puts you legitimately in the game. I don't know if that, it ends up happening. It's far less likely to happen than not, but... You have to consider all these facts. Joe said, my hope is increasing. Like they say, it is the hope that kills you. Sam Smith says, it's Tennessee. He's going to pick up that UT hat on signing day, throw it halfway across the room, and rip his shirt open and put on that Florida hat. 
Until, uh, who was it earlier that called in Scott from Beth Page and said, until he sees that NIL money, right. baby. Uh, out of those three, it's Florida A&M and Tennessee, right? Florida probably under the most pressure to sign a Walter Nolan. Dan Mullen has not exactly been keeping up with the Georges and Bamas of the world in recruiting. He's not done bad, though. And he does better in the transfer portal. Have you ever considered buying a life alert? Yes or no? 94% have not. I almost fell down the stairs this morning, but a story for another day. Blade and Mick, you're up next. <laughs>